Welcome to this week's edition of the All Saints Lutheran Church podcast. All Saints is a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. We are located in Davenport, Iowa. Each week we bring you the digital edition of the weekly sermon. Enjoy! Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and he saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not be enough to buy bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told the disciples, Gather up the fragments left over, so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him their king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land where they were going. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Six months! Six months! Six months' wages! wasn't even going to be enough to buy everybody there an eensy-teensy-weensy little bit of bread. That's how many people we're talking about. That's, that's, that's the kind of, of exorbitance, extravagance we're talking about in, in numbers of people. Six months' wages wasn't even going to be enough. And, and Philip whines. It's Philip who does the whining today. It's not going to be enough. He complains, he whines, and doggone it, in Philip's whining, I hear myself 
You know, it starts when we're children. And it's easier, isn't it, to say, oh, it's the children. The children are whining again. The children are complaining again. Ah, yes, look at the head shake. I want, I want, I need, I need. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Please, 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 please. Go to mama instead of daddy. Go to daddy instead of mama. You know? How easy it starts off. My, my uncle, my mom has three sisters and one brother. Excuse me, two sisters and one brother. Four kids total. And, and my uncle, I have heard these stories all the years of growing up. And whenever our family still gets together, those, the sisters and brother talk about how they picked on each other and were merciless to my, my poor Uncle Larry. And, and having parents who grew up through the Depression, you know, there wasn't a lot when my mom was growing up. And with four kids, that made it that much tougher. And so to have a treat was, was exceptional. It was wonderful. It, it truly was a treat. Even if it was homemade pie and it was made out of the berries that Grandma and Grandpa grew in the backyard. And there's a story of, of a day in which Grandma had made homemade pie, which was a treat, believe me. And, and the pieces were set on the table at the beginning of dinner. And they had their dinner, and and Grandma would clear off the dishes. And as soon as she would go out of the dining room and take dirty dishes, and it was time to pull that pie plate up close, you know that moment. We all love that moment, don't you? When when it's time to grab that plate and slide it up. Okay, well, it was at that moment. Grandma is out of the dining room. So all is clear because Grandpa, he was a softie. Even as a daddy, he was a softie. Uncle Larry takes his fingers, and he runs around the table really quick, measuring his sister's pieces of pie to find out who got the bigger piece because he was just sure he got gypped. The only problem is, is Grandma walked in and saw him doing that. So what do you suppose Grandma did? No more pie for you. No soup for you. She removed his pie, and he didn't get it. And they still tell that story. And he said, Uncle Larry, to this day, still whines and complains. Well, it's because Mom loved you all, all you girls, so much more than me that you always got the bigger pieces of pie. Oh, how I've heard it myself. Mom loves you more. Oh, that is the mantra in my household. Mom only loves Isabella. I hear it from my sister's kids. My niece was over last night sitting on the patio with us. And she was telling me how her her mother loved Nathan and Andrea more than her. Oh, yes. Who gets loved more in your family? Who is it in yours? Well, obviously, Scott. No, in yours, Julie. Amongst you sisters. You liar. You're in church. Who is it, Tom, that she would say? Yeah, you're out. Wendy. Wendy is loved more than anybody else. (laughs) Ah, Who in your family is loved more? You are. Okay. Gretchen? Of course. Who else would it be on this side? Who's loved more in your family? You? Okay. Um, Barb, in your family? Oh, you're the only child. That's right. I forgot about that. Joe, what about yours? You don't know? The dog. Oh, yes. To be, have it, bring down to the dog. Matt, how about in your family? Who's loved more? Your little brother. There you go. That's who it was in my family. I'm convinced my brother, who was adopted and the only boy and the baby, he had it all, you know. Uh, Mom and dad loved him so much more. We, though it all sounds wonderful when we're children, 
But that whining and complaining, oh, that comes with us when we're adults, doesn't it? It just changes from pie to there isn't enough money. Um, I need a brand new car. Uh, There isn't going to be enough to pay the bills at the end of the month or at the end of the payday or at the end of the week. I I am starting my whining and I'm trying to temper it and I may need you all to call me up short and call me accountable. Next year, Isabella needs braces, full set, top and bottom. Next year, Ariana will graduate. The year after that, we're looking now at two weddings and my whining has already begun. And that's what I'm talking about college for Ariana, okay? So it may take you, my friends, to to call me up short and say, knock it off, Lisa, you're whining. And, And I give you permission to do that. Philip complained. He was complaining that day and he was complaining about scarcity. And I'm afraid your pastor does the same. But so do you. You all do it too. You all complain about scarcity. Oh, there isn't going to be enough. Is there going to be enough to make payroll? Is there going to be enough to do the things that we want to do? Is there going to be, oh, there isn't enough, so we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't. We get so so caught in that trap. And it doesn't matter if you're all saints, if you're Trinity and Tipton, if you're Glory Day of 1,200 members, if you're Harvest, churches do the same thing. We're, we're all like built in this sense of, of scarcity. Will there be enough in my bank account? Will there be enough time to get everything done that I have to get done? Oh, that is a huge complaint, isn't it? I am in such demand, aren't you all? There's just not enough time in my day and my week to get everything done that I have to get done. We look at the world around us, and Philip's words echo just loud and clear in our ears, and they they really consume us. And the truth is, you know what? According to Philip, there isn't enough. There isn't. There's not enough time. There's not enough money. There's not enough of you to meet all the needs that are being demanded of you. So let's talk about then what does the gospel say? If that's the assumption, okay, because that's where we like to live. What then is the gospel message to that assumption? Or or better yet, what is it that, that... there is that the gospel says about that fear that haunts us. That there isn't going to be enough, and more importantly, our real fear is there isn't going to be enough for me. That's the reality, isn't it? That's the ultimate fear, if we're honest with ourselves. I don't worry so much whether or not there's going to be enough for that person in the mall that I don't know, but I certainly worry about whether or not there's going to be enough for me. What does the gospel say to that? You know, this gospel lesson we have this morning, the feeding the 5,000, you've all heard it time and time and time again, right? You've heard it a 1,000 times, if not a 5,000 times. It is in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all have this story. John has a little bit different spin on it, though. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all bring Jesus to this story, and the reason Jesus creates food for the 5,000 is all the same in those three Gospels. It's because he has compassion on the people. That's not what we have this morning. It's not that Jesus isn't compassionate, but that's not the priority here for John. That's not how he tells the story. Instead, how he tells the story is that he tells this as a teaching moment. Okay? He knows what he's going to do, as it says, and he's set out and he's asked this question, why does he say? 
to test them because he already knows what he's going to do. In other words, he wants to teach them. And there's something important he wants to to understand and know before they have to face this world without Jesus present in their daily lives, physically present all the time. So what is it? What is that, that one thing that is so important that Jesus has to teach these disciples? What is that, that one thing that John wants us to know about Jesus and this teaching and this story? He wants us to know that we have a God who gives us and gifts us abundantly. And we do not live lives of scarcity. And if we live out of that abundance, the amazing things that we can do, a few fish and a couple loaves of bread and feeding 5,000 people, it happens all the time. Three clipboards, carpet tubes, wooden pallets, paint and volunteers, and we do Bible school for 70-some kids, and they hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ for a whole week that they would not have heard in daycare. And we come in way under budget. And why do we come in under budget? Because you gave out of abundance, out of graciousness, of understanding that God has gifted you, and this was important, and God was going to provide for this ministry that is so vital. It happens all the time. When we understand that we are blessed and we live out of abundance and we have God who gives us graciously and abundantly, then we live that way too. And it happens when a 10-year-old comes into church this morning with her mama and grabs a world hunger envelope and says, I put my dollar in here for my snack at the pool yesterday because I'd rather it go there. I didn't need the treat. It happens all the time. When people decide to give up a meal a week and donate that food to the food pantry or, or to Salvation Army. What other ways? You know, all week long at Bible school, we're saying, where did you see God? Where do you see people living out of their abundance? Tell me. You see it all the time around you. Where do you see that? Where have you seen those images? How so, Brie? they're the people that get us through everything. Such incredible gifts. Anybody else? Where have you seen God's abundance? Other signs of God's abundance. Yeah, Mark. 
Samson. <laughs> it truly isn't out of their own need, I'm sure. <laughs> Mark can't miss anymore. We can't be without him. That's wonderful. Any other stories of God's abundance that you've seen? Yeah, Chris. That's wonderful. One of the stories I'm sure Ariana will tell you when she gets home is one of the things that they did was they had one day where they did nothing at the National Youth Gathering, but they set a whole day aside for service project in New Orleans. And she spent a whole day with this little group of people from Tipton, and they mulched and they weeded a stretch of over a mile in length of highway in New Orleans. And I'm thrilled because now I know she's a pro at it. <laughs> but but I, I think about these teenagers. You know, one of the emails we got from the ELCA was having 37,000 youth and adults come into New Orleans and, and fix homes and clean up yet after flood and do these kind of projects. God's abundance. It's amazing the things we can do when we live out of that graciousness and that abundance and know that God has gifted us so graciously, so abundantly, so overwhelmingly. And when we know that and when we, we do that, we truly then understand we have more than enough. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the podcast from All Saints Lutheran Church in Davenport, Iowa. Please know that you are welcome to visit and worship with us anytime you're in the Quad Cities. You can also find us online at www.allsaintsdavenport.org. We are missionaries proclaiming Christ, and we pray that you have a blessed week surrounded by His love.